0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, pull up a pew and join us for the first service here. At the altar of noise, my name is Josh, and I'm joined by my fellow audio believer, Simon. How are you today, mate?
1: Good, thank you. Good, thank you, Josh. How are you? Oh, I can't complain, you That's know. Good. Good but, to see that we got ten seconds in, and you already ripped off the first dad joke for the whole podcast. It's good. Straight look, into it. You got to you got to set expectations early. <laughs> you got
0: to have people understand that yes, there will be puns, and if you don't like that, well. Sorry. <laughs> Set the bar low. I like it. <laughs> Set it as low as we can. We can only, I want to say we can only get better, but we're here. Um, so I guess we should probably talk about why we're here. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a collaboration idea between us about our love of music and how we wanted to explore avenues and discussing it.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, I. I reckon this all stems from the 20 albums on Facebook where you had to mm. post your 20 albums with no ex- – uh, your favourite 20 albums with uh, no explanation as to why. And I think really the, the idea kind of snowballed from there. I got – you know, I wanted to tell people why I liked these albums yeah. and you and I were discussing albums over Messenger <laughs> and, you know, why you like that open, album over one I like. And, yeah, I think it just snowballed really into yeah. – like why you why you picked
0: uh that particular band's album where I felt that another album of their range was, you know, potentially better, but you had your feelings as to why that was there. So we thought, well, let's actually maybe put this out for everyone so everyone can have their opinion. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that'll be the goal going forward for us here is to to sit down and talk about, you know, our love of music. It's pretty much a strong passion between us um we have a lot of with a lot of shared memories um through our time together uh with music and now we're both parents um there we are and you know we're talking about like how kind of music now changes the older we get and the introduction of music potentially to our kids to other people finding new ways to go out and explore it
1: yeah yeah it's a uh, we've pretty Much met through music mm. through mutual friend, always running into each other at the big day out festivals, yeah. Not knowing each other but recognizing each other and going, yeah. Hey, there's that dude, there's that dude. Yeah. And then eventually, we pissed off our mutual friend, and then us two became <laughs> friends and started going shows together. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know,
0: it's a, I was like, I remember that guy who was in the pit with me last year. Uh, I'm terrible with
1: names, but yeah, there's uh, that uh, guy. Hey, you
0: <laughs> oh, mate, how's it going?
1: Yeah, yeah, so music, music has really been there from the beginning for this friendship, really, yeah. now that I think about it.
0: Yeah. So. And I think that's, you know, I think that's important to always have something that's a strong passion between between folk, um, whether it be music sport or whatever. But for us, you know, music is key. Um, so I suppose going forward, we're going to be releasing some episodes uh, discussing a wide variety of things. Um, but I suppose to kind to of give a, everyone today Um, a background on who we are or, like, where our music interests lie or what, I wouldn't say defines us as fans, Mm -hmm. but, and maybe you can word it a little bit better than I, but what, who are 10 artists or genres that have really influenced what we listen to? Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, So, yeah, we... We've gone ahead and chosen ten albums each uh for me, these aren't my ten favorite albums. they are ten albums I really enjoy mm. but i I kinda I could see your your choices because you, <laughs> you threw yours up first yeah and so I kind of went in and filled in uh gaps i guess you would call them gaps in the genres of uh what you had up so for instance, you know you didn't have some post-rock up there, yeah. so I threw some post-rock albums up there. And um, hopefully these 20 albums yeah. will kind of show the wide variety of genres we listen to, the you know, the the breadth of what we hope to cover in this podcast.
0: Yeah, because between us, like, we have very similar uh, interests in bands and certain loves, but, you know, we differ enough that it's, you know... I'm quite a huge fan of trance and EDM whereas you have a big fa- you're a big fan of pop music yeah and king of pop etc um so I think between the ten- uh, between yeah, between the 20 albums it kind of will give uh you guys the audience a fair understanding of you know where where we're going to explore um what we will you know some of the, some of the different you know genres that we're going to deep dive into, um, and a few other things. So I suppose, do you want to kick it off first, mate?
1: Uh, sure, I can kick it off. Uh, straight off the bat, I'm going to go with one of my actual favourite albums mm-hmm. and one of my favourite bands. Yeah, I've chosen Ocean Size and their album Frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime there's uh, like a best of kind of list, I always try and get Ocean Size in there. <laughs> Not enough people know about this band, and it it completely annoys me. <laughs> so for those who don't know who Ocean Size are, they were a five piece band from Manchester, England, who unfortunately disbanded in 2011. They're an alternative rock band, but they incorporate many styles. You know, I've seen them described as progressive death indie, which <laughs> I think is a uh, pretty apt. The, the sound stretches from, like, alternative rock to post-rock to space rock and prog, uh, in their time together, they released four pretty much perfect studio albums, in my opinion, two EPs and a brilliant box set, which was them playing each of their albums live on consecutive nights. It's amazing. That would have been amazing to witness. It would have been, and it was in a room the size of, I want to say, The Gov. Oh wow! Yeah, That's pretty intimate. Yeah, pretty intimate kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna say this first episode, <laughs> Ocean Size, are uh, one of, if not the greatest band to have ever existed. That's
0: a very bold claim. Yep, I'm going to make it at episode one.
1: I'm gonna make it episode one.
0: Well, okay, we've set we've set like we set the bar <laughs>
1: low with the puns, yeah, and then we've raised it back up with this claim. Yeah, I mean. Nah, yeah, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. And people can try and catch me out. But I will stick to my guns for this one, I know. So apart from the fact that I adore yeah. this band, I believe that it's uh they are a great example of brilliant, interesting songwriting. Mm-hmm. So for instance they got a song off this album called Savant, where it starts with these beautiful keys and they're kinda like these real nice glassy glassy sounding piano but then the drums enter and they're completely off kilter and they sound out of time and they sound completely wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the vocals come in and there's lots of reverb and there's lots of distortion on the vocals and the song just builds and builds and builds. And And once it gets to the pinnacle, it just crashes. And then it's just an orchestra (laughs) playing. (laughs) Like it's amazing. And you just sit there for the whole, the whole song, just chore on the floor. Yeah. But they have songs like uh, Sleeping Dogs and Dead Lions, which is just balls out, heavy and frenetic. It's just noise, essentially. Yeah. And when they do noise, they do it so well. They're such a big sounding band. And those two kind of juxtapositions of songs on an album, just the band can't do anything wrong, really, when it comes to you know, feeling that kind of dynamic range. Yep. Um, I hope that we do a deep dive on Ocean Size <laughs> so I can actually speak about them for longer than two minutes. But, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd yeah just they, suggest that anyone go check out any of their albums. Frames is my personal favourite and yep. I'd suggest starting there.
0: Yeah. Oh, excellent.
1: You always, they sound... Look, I haven't dived into them much. Yeah. Like...
0: I've only kind of experienced them, kind of through us from yourself because yep. you are very passionate. And speak about them all the time, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, they—the idea that they can have such range, where it's kind of like a like a huge explosion of noise to this orchestra, yeah. and different varieties throughout. It sounds,
1: you know, it sounds wonderful. I mean, they so the usual lineup is two guitarists, one of them sings, bassist, keys drums, but the guy who plays the keys also jumps on guitar. Yeah. So sometimes they're three guitars, (laughs) drums, bass. Yeah. So they can build this massive wall of sound. And, yeah, it's just brilliant. Just cannot recommend them (laughs) enough. Well, I guess I'll
0: jump over now and I'll talk about probably one that's going to come to no surprise to anyone would be... Or anyone that's ever played uh, played video games with me, or had a chance to talk to me, would be uh, Carnival. They which so, happened? Sorry, uh, Th- Th- Thamata. So I love Carnival. I love the fact that they are. So there are for those that don't know, there are. Uh, I guess you call them frog, frog yeah. metalish uh, from Perth. Um, the lead singer has done. Other side projects like Birds of Tokyo, um, which is probably a bit more poppy, but the Carnival themselves, I love the way that their music just has a heavy sound, this kind of like ear filling sound where everything kind of melds together, like nothing really over comes over the top of each other. Like guitar is right there on the level of the bass, which is right there level on the drums. Which is all kind of like backs up this amazing vocalist who just has a wonderful sound in his voice where it's clean, clean vocals, which I love. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good heavy metal song with angry, growling vocals, which I'll, or like ones that, you know, have a bit of a harsh tone to them. But Having the, that heavy, amazing sound, you know, kind of harmonizing with this beautiful voice, to me is wonderful. Like it's just a great sound to have. Then the thing I love about particularly about themata when you look at themata as an album, it's kind of like a best of what Carnival do. Like they have these heavy, more upbeat, fast tempo songs, like uh, like the title themata. And lifelike, rock fort. Um, then you have these slow, kind of bit more songs that build a bit more, like Sone and Silent and Synops. Uh, to me, it shows the range in which they hit, um, which they continued on into their next album, which was Sound Awake, which maybe is a better album start to finish, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, but to me, yeah, Themata is one of the best. All round, prog rock band albums of all time. Yep, it's that's hard to disagree
1: with. <laughs> uh is my personal favourite of theirs as well.
0: Yeah, uh, and like we've had we've you and I have had <laughs> the talk about the difference between like themata and um, themata and Sound Awake, mm-hmm. um, and how like Sound Awake is just this album that. Is kind of sells a story, has has a similar theme throughout it all, whereas the martyr is like, you know, it goes in these different directions, but they all make sense. It's yeah. not like we're going to be really loud and heavy here, and then we're going to be silent here it's for no reason. It all makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. So next for yourself, there, mate. Next up, I have Arcane Roots and their album Melancholia Hymns. Uh, Melancholia Hymns is one of my favourite records of recent times. They're a trio from Kingston on the Thames in England. and They yep. sit in the world of alternative rock, but they include uh, math rocky kind of elements. Their earlier albums have hints of post-hardcore, but they bring this kind of unhinged energy to it, kind of like uh, reminiscent of early Biffy Clyro kind oh, of yep. stuff. This record actually ended up being their last album, but it's miles away from that post-hardcore-y kind of stuff I was just just mentioning. Um, in Melancholy Hymns, they introduced a lot of electronic elements and they have these amazingly, amazingly beautiful synth and string sounds that sit perfectly behind Andrew Grove's mm-hmm. vocals. Uh, they actually did do an EP after this where they took a bunch of the songs and reimagined them as full electronic songs so they, they really did dive deep into the electronic stuff. It wasn't yep. just uh just your run in the mill, grab a synth and just drop <laughs> it here kind of thing. Like they, they dove deep into it. They've got songs on their like um Off the Floor, which is a good mix of their old sound and their new sound. It's a raucous rock sound, but they, they do drop in like hints of, you know, the electronic sounds mm. that are gonna happen throughout the rest of the album. Uh they do have a song on there called Fireflies, which is essentially just electronica, but it's, uh, slow and mellow and just this really beautiful sounding song. And, uh, half, half the world is such an amazing song. It's big and uplifting, but, um, it it starts off as like a, a rock song. But then once again, they bring it down to nothing but Mm -hmm. vocals. Like they, they, can do the dynamic thing as well and they're another band that i'm just surprised not many people know of yeah. um yeah i cannot speak highly or well, any more higher <laughs> of the uh, roots yeah they're just they're brilliant brilliant band and this is a great album like i'll be
0: honest i don't know them and that's yeah i think we're going to come across bands that we just don't know yeah I mean, when you're talking about electronic, like, what's a similar, uh, (laughs) similar type sound to the?
1: Um, Oof, that's a good question. Similar kind of sounds. Um, I'm not really sure. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Um, So they're quite unique. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that there's Hmm. probably something that sounds similar to, but. I mean, all I can think of is Radiohead. Yeah. Um. It's like Radiohead if they kept playing with distorted guitars. Okay. But yeah. But More like uh, like Idiotek. Yeah. That kind of electronica, like their Kid A album. Yeah, kind of the Kid A esque yeah. era. Yeah. But they they're still a a rock trio. Yeah. Over it. Um. They don't sound like Radiohead, but the electronica. Stuff I guess kind of reminds me of that now that I'm trying to yeah trying to find a connection with another band.
0: so okay. I mean, they. they I mean, Idiotech is like a one, one of my favorite Radiohead tracks of all time, yeah. so that makes sense. Like from what you're describing, like electronic, but like kind of like that little bit of distorted nature to it. There's a little bit of a rock to it. but
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they do use it to help mm. with the noise. Yeah, so they do have the like the noisy synth which kind of just sits below the guitars and bass and kind of fills it out yeah. but then like on that song fireflies it's more kind of church organy okay. kind of sounding stuff and he has a like a high register his mm. voice yeah and so he's got this beautiful kind of alluring voice which mm. just sits nicely on top of that but in the the rock songs that tone then gets harsher yeah in his vocals and you can change it up to, uh, to suit where the song's gone. Yeah, it's very cohesive. Like yeah. you, you get a lot of rock bands which go, all right, well, we've got a bit of money, let's throw some synths on <laughs> stuff. So they throw some synths on stuff, and sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But he's really dove in deep into the world of electronica. And I believe he's even quoted as saying that he saw electronic instruments, as in like synths and, mm-hmm. and those like, drum machines and stuff. He can see more creativity and experimental yeah. in them than he can a guitar. Yeah. So he tries to mould the two together because he still loves being <laughs> a guitarist. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like those, I mean,
0: technology they say with electronic kits and like touch pads and all those sorts of things where you can create this different sort of sound while kind of keeping everything somewhat traditional. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fantastic record. I mean, their their old stuff's great if you're Mm. into like like I said, early Biffy Clyro kind of stuff. More frenetic uh, guitar work. He's a great guitarist. A lot more, uh, you know, a lot more of the screaming and uh, a lot more harsher vocals. They still do like the nice rock songs, Mm. but yeah, they've they've just really put a lot of emphasis on the electronica side of it on this album, and I think it's their best work. Very
0: cool. So Arcane Roots Melancholia
1: It's a mouthful.
0: Melancholia (laughs) hymns. There we go. Thank God you you understand how to say it. (laughs) Yeah, it took me it only took me two years to work out how to say it. Uh, So next up for myself, we've got uh, again, probably a surprise to no one who knows me System of a Down their self-titled album. Now, you can make the argument that Toxicity is a better album. We will make that argument. <laughs> we will make that argument in a later episode. <laughs> but I think as far as... To, to me, like, the self-titled album is one of the... I would say one of the more underrated, thrash, heavy albums of its time. Um, so for those who don't know System of Down... Um, they're a American heavy metal band but have deep roots in history from Armenia um, and Eastern Europe. And they are a very passionate and particularly in that first album, very political band and kind of politics and social justice does filter through into a lot of their work. But I think one of the key things about System of Down particularly on this first album, is they are so passionate about what they're doing. Every member of the band, you know, you've got Serge's amazing, powerful voice when it was still, you know, hadn't been destroyed from (laughs) years of of playing and singing. Um, And it's this raw nature behind it. You know, Darren is playing guitar and thrashing it to the nth degree while still playing with such technical prowess that's, you know, astounding to anyone who's played guitar. Um, Charbo plays his bass with a kind of a haunting nature behind it, um, really hitting low register in it. And then I, I, I kind of feel like John, the drummer, hates his drums because <laughs> I don't think he could possibly hit them any harder if he tried. He's a pretty hard hitter. <laughs> yeah. But it all it all makes sense when you when you listen to it like every song and i was watching something the other day came up about so 20 22 years ago that the film clip was released for sugar probably mm-hmm. the, the single off of that album and it's you know starts off with this news reporter talking you know again political in nature talking about how people are kind of you know Forced to listen to one particular thing, one particular mindset, and then hops in, like you know, the bass uh, drop of boom doom doom do. and in comes like Surge just yelling, you know, and singing at us. And you know, that song himself is it kind of shows his rage and he's just frenetic, and it kind of matches that particular sound, just kind of continues all throughout the album. Like they kind of mellowed out in their later years, which is fine. You know, they still produced amazing albums. But I think self title is one of yeah definitely when you look at a band playing with passion and playing with high energy, you can't go wrong with the self
1: titled. Yeah, I think uh out of like the early two thousands metal mm. I mean, they get lumped with new metal. I see new metal as two different categories. Yeah. I see it as like new metal with like Lip Biscuit, Lincoln Park, but then I see all the weird bands that just got thrown into the new metal because like, they didn't know what to call them. Like S- System of a Down, Mudvayne. Yeah. Um, but they were they were so different as well Absolutely. from everything. Like Mudvayne, you could argue sounded somewhat similar to Slipknot, although like I'm not saying they sound similar, yeah. but you can see the connection there. You can't see the connection with system to. They have a very
0: unique sound. Yeah,
1: and uh, I think that does come from their their Armenian background. Yeah. Because a lot of the their rhythms don't feel Western. Yeah. I I would also argue that they have one of the strongest outputs across the board. Yeah. When you've what is it? Five albums. Five albums. Five I'm, albums, and they're all pretty bloody strong.
0: You, you can all, and each of them is different. Although like you could say "Hypnotize," "Mesmerize," are uh, like an A and B album, yeah, because uh, they're very, very, very similar. But so if you, even if you lump that together, it's just like one album, yeah. And you have self-titled "Toxicity," um, still this album, which is you know the B sides, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and then uh, "Hypnotize," "Mesmerize." The Every album is unique, but sounds the same, if you understand what yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's all, it's all system over down, but they're yeah. all
1: going a little bit in different directions yeah. once they get
0: there. And like you, you look at them like they, they're going along, and you're like, oh, now Darren's doing a little bit more singing, and that's actually adding another layer to it all. Yeah. Um, he's getting a bit more, showing, you know, not just rocking out with his guitar, not just thrashing it, but now, you know, Playing with a little bit more technicality, and it's really showing through, but like John's still hitting the drums like a madman. Um, yeah, and Charvo's just doing his thing, yep. you know. It's nothing, he, he one of my favorite bassists to watch because he just he obviously clearly enjoys it. He
1: loves the guy. <laughs> I mean, we've seen System of Down together yeah. a few times, um, but the last time I saw him, which was happened to be in Las Vegas, was the best I'd seen him. Yeah, I'd seen him on the well, Hypnotise, but, like, I'm trying to think of the earliest yeah. i I reckon it was Hypnotise, Big Day Out. Was that?
0: Him? That was, like, oh, 07.
1: It was with Slipknot.
0: Yeah, I remember. Uh, I know, the, uh, oh, oh 05, oh 06. I
1: can't remember. It's
0: around that range, but, yeah, because yeah, that, that was just after Hypnotise, hypnotized uh, yeah. hypnotize, and then, you know, they came back for Soundwave yeah. in, was it, like, 2012 or something like that, mm. and they were kind of doing their tips stuff then, mm. But they still
1: sounded amazing. You they know. sounded amazing. They didn't look like they were having as much fun. No. But Shavo did. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> the umpteen times I've seen System of a Down. Yeah. You can look at him. <laughs> if the rest are boring, you can look at him because yeah. he just loves it.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: Uh, so again, System of a Down self
0: titled. Uh, and now, Simon, your third album.
1: Uh, I've chosen Brutus and their 2019 release, Nest. Mm hmm. Uh, they, for, you, for those who don't know, they are a three-piece hardcore band from Belgium. Oh, they're really? Seen, yeah, from Belgium. <laughs> uh, their sound is quite minimalist, and it does incorporate those post-rock elements that I do like. But I'd say the first noticeable point of difference with Brutus is that the drummer is the vocalist. Uh, her name's Stephanie Manert, yeah. um, and her voice is haunting. It's, yeah. She has this big voice. It's very powerful. Yeah, She has this um, kind of shouty yelling delivery yeah, at yeah. some points, but she's just got this, it's just a beautiful sounding voice. Mm. Like it's just haunting's the best word to describe it. Uh, it soars, it just soars and cuts through the absolute mess of a sound that they can make. And I mean that in like the highest mm. regard by mess. I mean, obviously she isn't the only female voice in that genre, but mm. Brutus was the band that kind of pulled me in to go explore the other female vocalists in uh, in this genre of music. Yeah. I don't know what it is about them. It might be because they're min- uh, minimalist, but um, they're just they're just so brilliant. The um they do have these unrelenting songs, but then they can drop out of them into these more um kind of spacious kind of songs. Top track for me is Fire, which is a good example of that unrelenting kind of noise that they can bring. Yeah. But it's funny that I use the word spacious because the the spacious song is called Space.
0: Oh But um
1: <laughs> like they do have that cool dynamic yeah. which gives the album uh like I'm not a big hardcore head mm-hmm. and I don't think you need to be a big hardcore head to like this band. But it does give that those um kind of minimalist songs and spacious songs do give the album this really cool dynamic that, you know, you can be sitting there just fucking rocking out and then all of a sudden they drop into this this beautiful, almost choir like singing, yeah. but it's just her singular voice and somehow she still carries these melodies and uh to be able to drum at that intensity and sing at that intensity for you know, forty minutes or whatever they play live, it just astounds me as a drummer. Like, it's just outstanding
0: because there's not many drummers out there that actually really sing. Like the last one I can really remember was Battles. Yeah, Battles. Battles, the drummer sang, but that was as oh, did he? I can't remember now. I wasn't, I wasn't big into Battles. Oh, I, don't know. I saw them like a couple of times, but they, uh, but like there's. Can't really think of many many other drummers out there that actually would not do not the
1: actual vocalist. No,
0: and especially when you're playing with a somewhat of an upbeat, fast, heavy or intense yeah sounds I mean the coordination in which to produce that sound would be say bloody difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean I've I've attempted to do backing vocals and mm-hmm. drum and I can't do that. <laughs> and that's like a line. <laughs> No, I, I couldn't even get my mouth to the mic. <laughs> I I'm, I'm too busy concentrating on what I'm actually trying to do. And she makes it look effortless. Yeah. And not only that, it, it sounds brilliant. Like they are heavy. Like they make this god awful noise in the best possible way. Yeah. But her her vocals are clean. Like I said, that she does, you know, do the shouty yelling kind of thing, but they're clean. And it just cuts through and it gives the songs this great sonic dynamic mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's it, it sounds macho, but yeah. it's got this beautiful, delicate voice just cutting through the mix. And, yeah, up until I heard this album, I was always going back to the same albums like yeah. most people do. And then I heard this and I just lived off this for like a month. <laughs> like it, it was probably my favourite release from last year. Yeah. For sure. And last year had a couple of great releases.
0: Yeah. So 2019 was
1: <laughs> was a good year for music. It was. But um, yes, I would recommend, if you like noisy music, yeah. I would recommend Brutus Nest.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. So for myself, we're moving on into the world of uh, rap. Now, I'm not a huge, huge rap guy. Never have been. It wasn't until I was in probably my late 20s. That I kind of discovered, uh, discovered rap that I actually enjoyed, um, or even hip hop or R and B or anything of that nature. I was never that was never my thing, but it wasn't until I discovered Childish Gambino at Big Day Out. I think it was twenty thirteen. Yeah, the second the second last Big Day Out, the last Big Day Out I went to, and saw Childish Gambino on stage playing, particularly it was the Camp album. That's where I discovered. I was like, "Wow, this is, this is actually pretty incredible." Like, I love what he's doing. Like, it's. I used to think of rap as just kind of this dreary sound that was kind of like. And it's like, lyrically, some some rappers in the past have been amazing, but like, he came through and like he had this amazing backing sound to him. Like, the mu- musically it was wonderful, Um and Camp is one of. To me, like, one of, if not his best album. Um, uh, the storytelling t- that he tells throughout it is incredible. Like, he's incredible with his with his lyrics. Um, and the fact that, like, so many different songs are different on there. Like, Bonfire isn't the same as Firefly, which isn't the same as You See Me, which is completely different to Outside. Like, they all have their different... Elements to what they're of this of you know whatever story he's trying to tell, they all have you know suitable, a suitable sound to to support him. And I kind of feel like this is the point where childish um, kind of I don't want to go to say went mainstream, but I think this is the point where people realized, oh yeah, he's actually pretty bloody good. Yeah, like the, 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 he had released a couple of EPs. Um, where he uh, of his rapping which, which I enjoyed thoroughly enjoyable um, and then before Camp came out there was Royalty which is where he did a bunch of uh, collaborations with different rap artists and they were good as well I really enjoyed that but I think Camp was to the point where he's like here I am I'm doing my own thing and you guys are going to like it and he's gone on to do you know I, still, I think Awaken My Love is one of the best albums of all time mm it's it's a beautiful sound a beautiful album that one, but yeah camp itself is
1: it's just brilliant, yeah I think i probably like rap a little bit more than what mm-hmm. or I've, I've been into it a bit yeah. longer than what you have, and I got really bored of it, and then Gambino came along mm-hmm. and it kind of like reignited my my fire for for rap and hip hop. And the fact that he's kind of gone on to do Awaken My Love, which is not rap. No. And it's completely different. No. And then he, you know, even the... Sober and Summertime you know, what Magic. K- Kau- Kau- Kauai. What is it? Kawaii Ho- oh, or Something like that? Kawaii. I know the you're talking EV, about That's That's great. And then, uh, yeah, it's... He's done a lot and he's mm. an extremely talented dude. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, if it wasn't for Childish, I probably wouldn't have discovered someone like Brockhampton
1: who, to
0: me well, one of the funnest rap artists out there, you know that group um and I wouldn't have gone on to listen to things like chance the rapper and you know some of these more modern ones um I probably wouldn't have given him a chance yeah. if it hadn't been for childish, yeah um and you know seeing him a big day yeah Brilliant. that was that was a great gig. <laughs> were, were we there together? I was there with another mate okay I think oh. we were, I think we crossed paths, yeah, but i because that was the year that um right no it was chili, chili peppers, peppers. <laughs> chili peppers. <laughs> um but yeah so to me like if you if you want to kind of if you're not a huge fan of rap i would recommend listening to charles gambino's camp yeah. um it's, and more, for... it's,
1: it's more kind of like a smooth hip-hop
0: yeah yeah and, and for those of you who don't know charles gambino is donald
1: glover who was in community
0: he was also in some stupid star wars film but, and he's been in a few other things as well. Lion King. Oh that's right. He
1: was in the live remake, yeah. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I brought up the one back thing. <laughs> well, I mean there was Star Wars. I mean I oh, I wouldn't know. I've <laughs> never seen a Star Wars in my life, but uh,
0: I'm, thankfully. But anyway, so yeah, so Charles Gaming can Now Simon, where are we going cool. to
1: next? We are going into the crazy world of the Mars Bolter. Yes, and their debut album *Deloused in the Comatorium*. I do not really know what to say about *Mars Volta*, because they are outstanding. <laughs> they are just outstanding. Yes, okay, <laughs> I, I, I concur. Um, for those who don't know, they formed from the ashes of post-hardcore gods at the driving, because they're gods. Let's let's say. It. Not, gonna, not. <laughs> Cedric Bixler-Zavala and Omar Rodriguez went on to form the Mars Volta. Now, they cover a stupendous variety of genres. They go from experimental to progressive, post-hardcore, psychedelic, jazz, and somehow they bring it all together to make cohesive albums. Mm. Uh, one noticeable difference out of the hundreds that they have <laughs> is they, they incorporate a lot of uh, Latin rhythms into yes. their songs, which it's just it just works. It's just brilliant. Uh, this album is a concept record, and I love concept records. I love bands that build these worlds for listeners to kind of dive a little bit deeper into and mm. you know, look at the imagery of the front covers, look at the lyrics. And this is, this is a concept album loosely based on a friend of theirs who committed suicide. Mm. This album is about a man who overdoses and falls into a week-long coma. Uh, Cedric's lyrics are nonsensical, so you really (laughs) have to dig deep to find the story, but it does ground a couple of the lines enough for you to follow along. So there's the refrain, um, now I'm lost in the opener in ESP, which kind of drops breadcrumbs and kind of sucks you in to try and find the rest of the story. Uh, I think that uh, the Mars Volta are great example of musicians pushing themselves to really discover uh, new sounds and discover new genres that they can melt together to to make rock not boring because rock got boring, which is why it, it's not the popular thing anymore um, and it's not through you know <laughs> Mars Volta dropping the ball. Omar's guitar work on it and his tones are mm. very unique. He's been quoted as saying that he sees his effect pedals as allies in a war against his guitar, <laughs> which is great because when you hear that, you, then it then all makes sense. Yeah. He, he basically pays, plays his effects pedals mm. and doesn't play the guitar. Cedric's voice is also hugely influential on the on the sound of the band. He sings in a very high register which can be divisive. I like it, but mm. I have heard people say they don't like that kind of high register. Elsewhere on this album, uh, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers plays the bass. Yep. Uh, so you know you've got all that bass going on. And drumming god, John Theodore played drums on this album, who's currently the drummer for Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, another thing I loved about Mars Volta was that was that they would improvise a lot live. they have been known to do two songs for an hour (laughs) for their sets and just riff off each other because every musician is just of the highest quality. Yeah. Um, Some of my favourite tracks, uh, Inertiatic, ESP and Iria Taka. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) But um, if you want to get into Martin's Volta, I'd suggest starting with this album. Yeah because it does get weirder and freakier as it goes along and as they explore different elements and oh, bring it all in. I was just looking at it before. I was trying to
0: remember the album that came next, which was Francis the Mute, and that's that album just is is next level. It's like they just go on this weird story, and it's like, as you were saying, like they, they tell a story throughout a lot of what they do, but Francis the Mute is just weird wonderful but weird and that's a lot of what like it kind of to me completely different sound but it's similar to system in the fact that they are very passionate about what they do and it comes through especially in um especially in d last at the cobertorium it's it is very clear that everyone that's there
1: wants to be there and is delivering at the highest quality yeah yeah they they're incredible musicians and Mm. Uh, I think they're another band where, I mean, you have to like experimental yeah. music to like them, but their discography for me is also almost perfect purely because of how you can see they've brought in these different elements on each album. Yeah. As they go
0: through all the way to the end. Now, people we said that, you know, they're not all radio tracks. They're not all... No three to five-minute songs. There are no, some 13-minute epics out
1: there. Yeah,
0: But they tell, like, 13-minute epic, you're going to get a story, you're going to progress, and you're
1: going to arrive at something amazing. Yes. If you're going to get 13 minutes of Mars Volta, you're going to get <laughs> just about every genre of music that has yes. happened. So it's bang for your buck.
0: <laughs> right, so that was Mars Volta, d in the comatorium. Uh, off next to me is the world of Trip-Hop um, in Massive Attack, uh, particularly the Mezzanine now Now, Massive Attack, British really, predominantly duo. Um, they do use a lot of different artists throughout um, uh, throughout their work to create different sounds, especially vocally. Um, but the one thing I will say about Mezzanine and it's probably something that we'll discuss in a later episode, is Mezzanine is their third album. Which I know, Simon, you have a theory on the third album that it's well, why don't you quickly explain? Just this uh, a cliff note version. <laughs> and we'll go, we'll do a dive into it deeper <laughs> later down the track.
1: Well, I think if you if you get signed to a a, a label, uh doesn't have to be major, but a decent sized mm. label, your third album realistically should be your best. Yeah. Because your first yeah it's got to do with money and experience yeah third album that's all i think i think there's a similar a similar line works here for mezzanine like it's um
0: you had protection uh to start with you had blue lines but they were kind of just finding their feet as a sound mezzanine comes in and it's kind of throughout the whole thing it's this dark haunting story behind it um but there's some beautiful sounds um The vocal stylings in "Angel," which has this amazing, you know, which a few bands have covered, and like you understand when you hear the song, they they rise to a certain point, and then there's just big, you know, power chord, and then it's just this heavy lunging sound behind it. And many bands have covered it, and they that's probably the point where everyone's like, "Yeah, this is awesome." Similar again in like uh, songs like um, "Dissolved Girl," where They've got these beautiful uh, voices behind kind of like this chilling sound. Um, But, yeah, they're they're very clearly inspired by um, a lot of Jamaican sound, um, particularly in a song like Karma Coma. Um, You've kind of got this like a little bit of a reggae sound to it. Um, But I, I, I love Mezzanine. It's beautiful. And, of course, you've got on there Teardrop. Classic. 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 One Classic. of the most covered songs of all time. Anyone who th- who rates themselves as a singer has covered that song. Um, and there's soon been some good covers. There's been some awful ones. But, you know, I think Flynn Effect did all right. Flynn Effect did a <laughs> brilliant job at it. Flynn Effect did an amazing job. Um, but, yeah, to me, Massive Attack. I, I, I love what they do. Um, I love a lot of their newer stuff where it's a bit more about... You know, not so much that soundscape type thing, but it's a bit more uh, vocally driven, and it to me it's you know they, they they move away from instrumental into having vocals and making that a real feature. But I I, I can't fault anything on listening.
1: Yeah, I mean I I don't know Massive Attack very well, but mm-hmm. every time I've heard them, I've really enjoyed them. So like I'd be keen to yeah. So, I mean, and...
0: it's it's one of the um, it, it, like, I was very lucky to go see them at the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl Music. in Melbourne, um, because I don't tour Australia like ever, and to see them play songs from Mezzanine, songs from Ten Thousand Windows, um, yeah, it, it was what they do on stage is it is very much a performance. And uh, a lot of visual uh, stimulus to go with, which is supported in the music as well. And yeah, I love Massive Attack. I, I could talk for an entire episode just about my love of Massive Attack and what they've done.
1: It's all right. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do a deep dive on it. Yeah, so Massive Attack, Mezzanine. Let's move on to your next, your next album. Next up, I have got Dillinger Escape Plan, Iwerks. So I discovered Dillinger just before they dropped this album. Uh, our friend Tom yep. uh, had their Miss Machine DVD, and I was living with Tom at that time, and he played the crap out of it. <laughs> it was on all the time. <laughs> he does but, that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, their next release, which ended up being iWorks, was highly anticipated in our household. And I reckon I bought it not long after it came out, and it was... Then my turn to flog <laughs> Dillinger. It was on it was in the car. Every time we went to the shops, it was on when we were cooking dinner. I absolutely loved this album. For those who are unaware of Dillinger Escape Plan, they're a mix of mathcore, core, metalcore, progressive and experimental metal. Yeah. I think iWork stands out in their strong discography because for me they they brought in a lot of uh, new elements and once again that element was electronica yeah. uh i mean they did dip their toes into it in like uh songs like i'm Retrofied" off of um Miss machine but on this album they kind of really dove dove in deep um the glitch the kind of glitchy sounds and the bebops which i believe is a technical term um <laughs> <laughs> they they add they add to the chaos uh immensely really mm. they just add a lot to it but in the the mellium mellower moments uh it adds a extra bit of depth to it so then when they do explode yeah. the explosion's so much bigger uh i have a song like uh sick on sunday which is pretty much electronica for the whole the whole song and greg uh cruchado that's his name isn't it? yeah greg cruchado uh has a croon-like delivery on that album, and that's a great juxtaposition to songs like Fix Your Face and Party Smasher, which is just all out spazcore, <laughs> which they're, they're known for. Uh, another noticeable difference for this album was that Gil Sharon replaced Chris Penny on the drums. I think it's noticeable because Gil brings a lot of uh, groove to his drumming. Not that Chris Penny couldn't groove, but Gil kind of sits a bit deeper in the pocket. Um yeah, I mean apart from the fact that I love this album, I put it up here because I would like to dive in deeper into more experimental stuff. Mm. And I think this is a good way to get in there. Um bands like Daughters and Swans and even Scott Walker like these real experimental kind of uh artists. Uh they're all kind of joined together where they try and make just sounds you haven't heard before. Um and I think Dillinger is kind of a good way of getting in there because you can kind of get in there through the the metalcore, progressive core kind of thing. So um, yeah, I I would actually recommend people start off on this album for Dillinger as well yep. because they have those kind of moments in this album where it is a bit more mellow and it does kind of calm down a bit, and you can give your neck a rest from trying to headbang and keep <laughs> up with their ridiculous. Time signatures and the chaos that they cause. Their their live shows are were something to behold. Yes, and I'm lucky enough to have been punched in the face with the mic <laughs> uh, at live at Light Square. Um, yeah, their live shows are incredible. Um, I was lucky enough to see their see them on their last ever tour, mm. and it was at Fowler's before it got remodelled and the support act was an acoustic guy and it was amazing like he he was all right but it was amazing because when they came out you realize just how frenetic and Mm. chaotic they are when you know you go from a guy just standing there playing his guitar and singing to a guy coming out punching himself in the face and bleeding everywhere and crowd surfing yeah yeah it's amazing. I'd recommend going on YouTube and looking up the Golden Gods Awards um show. Yeah. Uh Greg the Singer bleeds profusely. <laughs> like he looks like he's going to die. It's amazing. It's amazing. And obviously they don't miss a beat. He does no. not miss a note. It's they're amazing. They're an amazing band.
0: It's amazing that they're able to continuously hit everything that they do. You know, whether it be um, in the studio or on um, or live when they're playing they able to hit every cue even though you very clearly tell that there's chaos yeah like but it's just it's just this controlled chaos and this controlled energy yeah where you know they produce like you listen to certain Dillinger songs and like you said you' are next trying to keep up and headbang along but it's like doing this weird kind of zigzag motion just 360 but it all works yeah you can't help but like kind of groove along kind of click your fingers going yeah this
1: is great yeah Uh, another thing i love about them is that they were uh diy all the way to the end Mm. they never had roadies they lugged their own gear they slept in vans and they (laughs) could afford that by the end of their career they could afford that but all they had was their sound guy Mm. their lights guy Maybe one guy to help him carry stuff, and that was it. Yeah. Um, they're just, they're just brilliant. Yeah.
0: So, Dillinger Escape Plan, I Works, uh, delving into the world of EDM and trance. One of my all-time favourite artists, Dead Mouse, and his album Four by Four Equals Twelve. Now, I know trance and EDM, particularly trance, and like. Dead mouse is not everyone's favorite thing. I understand that. Um, <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> but they, it's very clear, and I was ta- actually talking about, it, about him today because um, caught up with a friend and we're talking about like his, how he kind of, uh, he, he very clearly loves certain sounds. Like he loves drums, he loves you know, creating this pulsating noise. And he just kind of always builds, Has a lot of his songs always have this energy. Now, it's easy with Trance to kind of get caught in this singular rhythm behind it and kind of just zone out. But with Deadmau5, he has this ability to create these crescendos um, and these moments where everything kind of builds and then there's the drop where it goes into that bass, where it goes into that pulsating sound where you're kind of, you know, feeling vibrations. And I love in 4 x 4 equals 12 where he has, he starts to bring in a few more vocalists to kind of complement things. So he has things like um, Sophie Needs a Ladder and One Trick Pony, where there's this kind of uh, female vocalist I wouldn't say nondescript. There's nothing like amazing about her, but she just kind of like her sound just works so well. Like this is very clearly uh, has been um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's it's on par with what he's doing, and he's he, it balances, it makes sense, um, and then you have what I, and the other one, the two other tracks on there that I really love is that in all this pulsating sound, you have a song in there called Animal Rights, which has just kind of got this funky, a bit more, I wouldn't say 70s sound to it, but it's kind of got that, you know, that...
1: Disco-y. Disco-y
0: sound, that's a good word. Yeah, disco-y sound to it. It's kind of got this fun nature behind it. And then you go into a song like Raise Your Weapon, where he you have, I wouldn't say... It's hard to describe, but it. it's to me, Rage Your Weapon is like an anthem. It's one probably an anthem for Dead Mouse. Like he's produced some absolute ripper tracks um throughout his time. Like he's released many songs. But like Rage Your Weapon is this anthem where it starts off with this nice clean vocals, there's piano involved, which he highlights a lot in this album. Um and you know, it's, it's kind of like this happy, trancy stuff. And then it builds into like, you know, um, where she goes, how's it feel now to watch it burn? And then like he gets into that like bass warble sound. And it just and it just continues on that, and you just like every time it's played, you're just like, Yeah, I'm ready to go fight someone now. <laughs> but I, I love this, I love Dead Mouse and he like there is there can be a same in nature. I, I understand how people feel. But it to me he's he's done some wonderful things for the world of trance and EDM.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, admittedly, I am not a fan of Dead Mouse, but um, <laughs> I have friends who are. You yeah. are one of those friends. <laughs> uh, it's not that I don't like electronic music or dance music. It's just I think it's just that type. Yeah. Like you could put Dead Mouse or I don't know which other producers. Yeah, similar. like
0: I think I think it, I'm not too sure on pronunciation, but I've seen there's one that I've discovered recently. It's I underscore O, and I'm not too sure if you pronounce it E-O. Okay. Or whatever it is, but very similar to Deadmau5. Yeah. I understand what he's saying, like the kind of, that like, you know, the, the churning, yeah, the, the pulsy sound. But I, I find that you can listen to certain songs of his, and they're just good background music. Yeah. Like you can, Like there's been times where I've put on 4x4 x 12, and I'll do the cleaning of the house because it's, it's got this continuous rhythm to it, and I always know that I'm going to walk in at a
1: certain point, and be like, yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah. Sweet. So for you, next, Simon. For me, my sixth album is Jamiroquois' A Funk <laughs> Odyssey. That's right. We are going there. We are going to Jamiroquois. Nothing wrong with that at all. You want to dance to Dead Mouse? I'm going to dance to Jamiroquois. I've chosen this record, clearly, because I just love this kind of music. Yeah. Uh, they infuse acid jazz, funk, pop, R&B, disco, and they produce just joyful music. Every time I hear it, I just want to sing and dance. Like, <laughs> and to me, that's, that's what's great about Jamiroquai is that they can do that with every song. Even if you don't know the song, you're going to start tapping your foot. and By the end of the song, you're going to know the words. Yeah. Um, in my old band, we loved Jamiroquai that much that we used to put on a Jamiroquai DVD before every show. So we'd sit in whoever's house it was, watch Jamiro and it would just put everyone in the right uh, frame of mind to, you know, go out and have fun and really enjoy the show. And that is that is the best quality of Jamiro mm. They are all very, very masterful musicians. They are all brilliant. Uh, JK, the singer, is the perfect vocalist for him as well. His voice in any other kind of... Uh, band or form of music probably wouldn't work unless it was like James Blunt-esque <laughs> crap. Yep. But um, for this, he's brilliant. And the fact that he's a brawler and just <laughs> a nutbag kind of yeah. just adds to the, the whole aura of the band. Yeah. Um, apart from the dance floor fillers, which is like Little Well and Give Me Something, which everyone has seen and heard they do have laid back songs uh songs like corner of the earth and black crow break up the album very nicely so for instance if you're doing your housework like you said you can nod along and then there will come the big sing along songs mm. uh it's just an album that gives me joy and especially in this type of music if that's if that album can give you joy they've done the best job they can do and we all need joy, especially yeah. when we live in this world, yeah. in this current climate. Yeah. current climate. <laughs> specifically, I get what you're saying. Like there, there's you can't help but
0: you know be happy when you hear Jamiroquai. You know he's got a he he's got a very uh, approachable nature to himself. Um, the music is like you said; it's always happy. It's always it it, it you know. Yes, they've got some soul songs, but it's like everything's like upbeat it's all yeah relative positivity
1: yeah i mean you the corner of the earth is i mean most people know it from it was in a car ad i reckon yeah i reckon um most people probably know it from that but it's it's an uplifting song The it's more slower it's more mellow but the lyrical Mm. concept behind it is it's still uplifting it's about loving life yeah and that's what america is about it's about Going out and enjoying life. It's a very much a celebration. It is. And the fact that I haven't seen them live is, <laughs> is killing me. <laughs> if I've got a friend who's seen them, I think she's seen them four times. And that really annoys me. How come she never took you along? Ah, oh, because I didn't know her. But that's not an excuse. <laughs> yeah, valid. <laughs> that's I mean, not an know, excuse. I mean, retroactively, she could go back and invite you. but Yeah, yeah she could have. <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping they, they're meant to be working on new music. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, yeah. they come back and I can go dance my little white ass off. <laughs> I suppose, uh, yeah, now, so with Choir, I suppose it leads into my band.
0: Very, very similar thing in that it's the beards. <laughs> <laughs>
1: very similar. Very similar. Okay, to, it's you, uplifting. Exactly. Yeah, I know you, where you are. So, in particular, <laughs> this is the good old
0: Adelaide lads, the beards. Having a beard is the new not having a beard album.
1: <laughs> you can't. You We're going to laugh, sorry.
0: But it's fine. Like, that's the thing. You can't yeah. help but, like, think about the beards or listen to the beards and not smile. Yeah. Like, it's, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> they're a band that's released, like, four-odd albums, did two tours of Europe, a tour of America, you know, Triple J, like version, all those things. But I've reached all these different levels, and they were all just about singing about how great it is to have a beard. Yeah, and you can't help but love that. Now, with this particular album, it goes back to the third album theory in the fact that this is the point where musically they've understood what they're doing and they produce just great, great sounds. Um, everyone's doing their part, everyone's kicking ass. Um, you know, it's kind of like this. They have, like, kind of, like, anthem rock type stuff. But then they have these stories, like, where they have um particular song called The Beard, which is about... <laughs> you going to hear the word beard a lot. Where <laughs> it's about this guy who comes into town um, as, like, this hero. And he has a beard. And he gets kicked out of town by these beardless uh, government officials. Um, so he comes back. And ransacks the town with all his bearded family um, and brothers. And, but in the middle of all that, in the middle of this story, there's this amazing sax solo. And it's just like, well, this, it kind of doesn't fit, but it does fit. Cause like they are all talented musicians. Mm-hmm. Like Josh, the guitarist, um, uh, Tom, the bassist. I can't remember the. I don't know it's. Uh, Jonathan Goodbeard Jr. is the that was the stage name <laughs> yeah, of the that drummer, and uh, I can't remember the uh, lead singer's name. But like, they were just phenomenal. Like, and I was so lucky to go to the second to last ever show. They always put it on a good gig. They always make you smile. You can't help but listen to the beards and smile. If yep. you don't smile while listening to the beards. I don't want to say there's something wrong with you, but you, you don't have a beard.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have a beard. <laughs> um, yeah, their live shows. Something of legend around yeah. Adelaide. I remember a friend of mine, his older brother, when I watched him at the Spiegel tent, I think, in um uh fringe festival here in Adelaide. Oh, yeah. And uh as you do you have to line up outside the tent and then um uh an usher came out with a bid, obviously, yeah. and uh got everyone to come inside and it was pretty much just sit wherever you want to sit. And if you didn't have a beard and you sat yourself towards the front, the usher would come get you and tell <laughs> you to go to the back. Yep. And they were abusing people who didn't have a beard. Yep. They just abused the crap out of them. So the whole, you know, two or three front rows were just bearded people. <laughs> yeah. And like they really they came up with this ridiculous <laughs> idea, which it is. It totally but is. It they just done it so well that like they sold it so well that yeah. And They, they leant into it. They loved it.
0: Like, you know, uh, women of longer hair would bring their hair around to the front, tie with a ponytail so it looked like they had a beard. Yeah. And people, th- people just loved it. People would, you know, wear fake
1: beards because they could. Mm. Um, they just... Uh, it, it sounds like it's just for men, but like you were just saying, women were rocking up with fake beards yeah. and then they were treated like beard. So yeah. they saw two sexes. They saw bearded people and, and non- non-bearded yeah. people. That was it. They didn't see men or women. So yeah. if you were a woman and you couldn't grow a beard, but you, you had, this but you had a fake beard, yeah. they didn't care. You were there because you're a bearded person. <laughs> they they were really great. They yeah. were um, excellent.
0: Yeah. I, 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 that album, Having a Beard and new Not Having a Beard, any time that comes on, any of the songs that come on from there, I will stop and I'll sing. Because I can't help it, but they're just so much fun.
1: Yep. Um, now, next for you, Simon. Next for me uh, is Hum. You'd prefer an astronaut. So I, I assume at some point we're going to talk about 90s music and the impact it had on the mm. industry as a whole and the impact it had on us. Um, and this is one of the best albums from the 90s. Have you ever heard of Hum? No. Neither had it I <laughs> until about two, three years ago thanks to YouTube's algorithms. (laughs) Uh, I was deep diving in YouTube, just looking for new music, and this came up, and it was amazing. Now, for essentially probably everyone who doesn't (laughs) live in America who's listening to this, I'm a a four-piece band from Chicago, Illinois, and they uh, an alternative rock shoegaze band. They kind of sit somewhere between Deftones and Caving, they kind of they kind yeah. of sit in there their sound is huge it is a massive sound but they drop into these shoegaze um these just wonderful delicate shoegaze moments and when i found them i could not believe that i hadn't heard of them because they encapsulate a lot of my favorite elements uh in the music i enjoy you know they have longer songs they've got those spaced out shoegaze bits they build these big walls of, of noise and they do it just brilliantly. Uh, I think it's fair to say, judging by the fact that neither of us knew <laughs> them, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that their influence outweighs their commercial success. Yeah. Um. They have influenced Death I've heard Chino talk about them and he actually put them on the lineup of uh, Dear Death Lost Death Tones. Oh, uh, yep. Tour the, the tour, the festival yep. Deftones Curate. They were on that lineup last year. Um, Funeral for a Friend, which is a band I like, and a bunch of other bands done a tribute CD of for them. Of them? For them? Of them. Yeah. I get go you're going here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's up on Spotify. Uh, but unfortunately, this album isn't, so you're going to have to go on YouTube. <laughs> They've done that thing where they put their best album, is not yeah. up on Spotify? That shits me. But um, <laughs> I would check out uh, a single called Stars. Yeah. Now, this single was, from what I could find out, was pretty much the only uh, bit of commercial success they had. It featured on a TV car advert in America. And so it got a lot of uh, radio air, airtime in, yeah. in America. Um, that's a really good place to start because they do everything in that song. Um they're really, really good, and they broke up in two thousand, which is sad. But then they got back together in twenty fifteen, which is good. And they released an album this week, and it is amazing. So, <laughs> I'm surprised, you
0: actually, I'm surprised you haven't surprised uh, you haven't shared
1: that effusively
0: between uh, us and some our yeah. yeah,
1: because the ocean dropped <laughs> the ocean collective dropped the song. There's just been too much good music this week, and I'm trying to catch up. But um, hum, you'd prefer an astronaut. Is um well, the band's hum, you'd prefer an Astronauts the album, uh, uh brilliant. They're well before their time. They yeah. they are if this album dropped when they broke up in the early two thousands, I would expect them to be near Deftones. Yeah. Of level of popularity because they they just missed the, the that kind of heavy to shoegaze thing which you know, I mean Deftones do it brilliantly. But I mean Every band, including my own band, yeah. are influenced by Deftones at the moment, and these guys just were just miss the boat. So you, in, in a sense, you could say
0: they are like the nineties version of maybe say Led Zeppelin or something like that. In the fact of their importance, like you know, I would say Led Zeppelin. Oh were yeah, ahead. I get what you're saying. In yeah. their in their uh, influence of yeah yeah, yeah they, they were like I would say Zeppelin were ahead of their time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, like, bands of that nature, you know, those ones that came out in the 70s, 80s and all that. Yeah. Uh, the nine. this is, like, the 90s, nice, uh, you know, version of that for kind of that alternate rock.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had nowhere near the success as well, the. No. Uh, but um, I mean, like, if you're just talking about your, like, uh, uh,
0: influence. influence.
1: Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, I tend to get obsessive when I find a new band. And so obviously dove in deep into Hum and realised that a lot of the bands I liked were influenced by Hum. Yeah. Um, it's kind of one of those things, I guess, where, I mean, Funeral for a Friend aren't from America, but I, I think it is a, kind of like a, a location kind of thing mm. where because they did have a bit of a fan base around America, it was mainly America which probably got all the influence, but then, you know, you get bands like Deftones out of it. Mm. Um so yeah, if you're into that kind of Deftones, Cave In uh kind of kind of stuff, I'd definitely check out Hum. And their new album is great. <laughs> What's the new album called? Uh We're in on the spot now. Yeah. It's like Inlet or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's up on Spotify. Sounds it's, good. Yeah. It's great. I guess uh I guess
0: leading into a band of influence that should come to the surprise of no one and probably uh, one of our most favorite bands together, yes. one we've actually gone and seen live yes. in Melbourne, Yes, Radiohead. I Yay. mean, we, we can't not talk about Radiohead. Um, of course And in particular, I want to talk about uh, "Hey to the Thief because yeah. I think it's um, uh, similar to... Um, what I was talking about with like maybe Childish like with Camp and Mezzanine How to Think is probably one of the best examples of like right ahead doing everything right you know slow rock or indie alternate stuff to you know things that are like more uh, more fastly driven like 2 plus 2 equals 5 and I really think that How to Thief is a completely underrated album because I was yeah. going back and I was listening to it um, in the lead up to it and I was like Every song on here is great. It's a great album. Um, But it just doesn't get... I I don't think it gets the love that, like, um, OK Computer gets. Or even the new albums, like,
1: uh,
0: Moonshake Pool. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Moonshake Pool. Those albums are all fantastic as well. And I very much love Radiohead. I have a Radiohead tattoo. But How to Think is just a phenomenal album. Like, there's... Every song has a purpose on there, you know, and you've got different things like uh, uh, Punch Up at the Wedding, uh, Mix of the toasters, Gloaming, Backdrifts, um, A Wolf at the Door. A Wolf of the Doors. I always went back and listened. I'm like, wow, this is actually really different to like, because it's a bit more like, uh, a bit more spoken wordish, not so much singing. Um, and, I can't space enough about like what i really like about this album I mean, it's just it covers all the bases for and then you have like uh, one of their more popular singles off of their are there um all came from this one particular album
1: yeah it's a brilliant album yeah. I, I completely agree that it's underrated i think it gets it doesn't get overlooked but i think it's underrated because they wrote okay computer yeah um when you have a album like okay computer in your back catalog that's going to be the that's what they're going to be remembered for they're going to be remembered for okay computer maybe in rainbows as well but purely because of the whole uh distribution of distribution of it and the way they they kind of reimagined that but i i totally agree when i go through my Radiohead spells yeah um I do find myself listening to this album a little bit more than the others, probably because of the wide range of yeah. variety that is on the album. Yeah, I mean, two plus two is one of my favourite Radiohead songs. Yeah, so go you know. to
0: sleep. Well, it's like it's like here's here's go to sleep, and um, say two plus two. They they're similar to like Pablo Honey. Here we've got like gloaming, which is a bit more like Amnesiac. Uh, amnesiac. It's like we've taken what we've made along the way and now we've created this. And it's, you know, it all is our range. And like yeah, like you said, okay, computer's an anthem. You know, there's a reason why, like, everyone knows Paranoid Android. Yeah. It, it was just this, this iconic song. But Howard I think needs needs the recognition. I feel like and like anyone that was like listening, I think it's probably a bit more I don't want to say commercially friendly because a lot of their stuff is great mm-hmm. and and can be played on radio. But I think this is the best way it's like, oh, you want to learn about Radiohead? Listen to this. This is going to, you know, you can use this to offshoot into their other albums. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is that is a good way of explaining it. It is kind of like a a center point where yeah. you can kind of go, all right, I like this kind of song. All right, so you're like... Pablo Honey. Pablo you know, Honey, you like in Rainbows. Yeah. that That's a very good point. Yeah. All right, so ready, right head, the thief. Next for you, Simon. Next up, I've got Scroobius Pip Distraction Pieces. You're right. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Scroobius Pip, man. He's the dude. So uh, I wanted, obviously, to get rap into my selection, and I was seeing that you had Gambino. And yep. uh, like I said earlier, Gambino is a bit more hip-hop, mm-hmm. I'd say, while Scroobius Pip is a bit more rap. Um he is also a spoken word artist. Uh for those who don't know, Screwbis Pip is from Essex in England. Uh, most people would probably know him through his collab with producer Dan Lassac and their song Those Shall Always Kill. Their film clip for that was played on Rage for years. Um and it's it's a really good yeah. Film clip And it's a really good song, but that's where I first seen him. But I didn't really dive into him until much later. I do remember seeing uh, the film clip for the first single off this album called Intradiction. And the film clip was uh, him rapping in this room, like a tiny room, and he was kind of acting erratically, like he, he's got a big beard and he just takes scissors to it and like cuts a chunk of it off. And yeah. then he sets alight the room and then he keeps rapping until... Like, it's done. Um, so, the, like, the film clip caught my attention, but then I realised I wasn't listening to the music and I had to re-listen to it. And I actually fell in love with the the way he writes his lyrics. They're quite precise. They're not uh, stories. Like, he doesn't make these big concept stories, mm. like, say, Lupe Fiasco or mm. someone like that. He kind of, it's like, this is the point of the song and each line is making sure he's on that point. I mean, he does come up with some great one-liners, like uh, off that song, Intradiction, he says, you see a mousetrap, I see free cheese and a fucking challenge, (laughs) which is just a great line-up, third line. But he also, obviously, from his spoken word background, he can get very poetic. And another lyric I love is from Broken Promises, which is, sometimes life conspires to make liars of good men. So he gets to his points really quickly. And, uh, I I mean, I'm not a massive hip-hop head, but um, that's a point of difference that I, I actually really enjoy mm. with Scroogeous Pip. Uh, I think a standout quality for Pip is his flow. He, uh, I think it's a mixture of his spoken word background, but also the fact he's from Essex. He doesn't hide his accent at all, and it kind of gives this um, kind of tumbling kind of flow where it's, kind of up and down and it's it sounds like he fumbles his way through it kind of but he's all he's like he's always on he's always yeah. on uh another thing about pip is he has a really pre- prevalent stutter oh really so if you watch him in interviews and that he he stutters quite frequently but when he raps or does his spoken word he doesn't have a stutter at all but he can just do it um Standout track for me is a song called The Struggle, mm-hmm. which is him imagining he's Johnny Depp and a mass murderer. Which is just a weird thing. <laughs> he I think he, he I remember him saying that he uh he wanted to write a song about trying to get away with murder, yeah. but he wanted to make the character someone who no one would suspect to be a murderer and all he could think was Johnny Depp. So that's that's what he came up with. Which is weird, yeah, but this Johnny came Depp's out. A,
0: Johnny Depp's a little creepy looking at times. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this came out in I think twenty eleven. No, oh, okay, so, so it's a little while back. Mm. So Johnny Depp probably.
0: That's 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 Pete pirates. Was that around Willy really Wonka as well?
1: Yeah, it might have been. He was weird in that Yeah, he was. Anyway, but anyway, <laughs> um, Screvious Pip is is brilliant. I I'd, I'd recommend his Spoke of Word stuff as well if uh if you're into that kind mm. of stuff, but um. Yeah, this debut album for him is a great place to start if you want to want to go through.
0: So there's a big thing that's come out of the UK that I've kind of discovered after the fact with like rap is grime. Yeah, rap. Having not listened to him, not knowing the sound, is it
1: grimish or mm-hmm. is it like what's what's his like the back the the on? instrumentals to it? Are, he grew up as a massive new metal fan. Oh really? Yeah. So he he loved snot and yep. bands like that. Um it's it's kind of more traditional uh instrumentals yep. for it like as in rap instrumentals. I can't I believe it's on this album Travis Barker does the drums for some of the tracks. Oh really? Um so I mean yeah, if you picture Travis Barker mm. doing drums, it's it's that with just like you some know, rapping. keys and yeah, yeah. some nice backing vocals and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, it, it it's definitely more rap than hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does have some songs which uh, you know, bring in that kind of jazz element and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But predominantly, it's more rap and um, yeah, it's more about listening to him and his lyrics yeah. than getting up and dancing. Although you, you can do that.
0: Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. So, Scrooby's Pip, distraction pieces, um. I'm going to go a slightly left turn in what I'm going to talk about. So it's more of a pure genre than a particular artist. And I am a huge fan of, we've all seen it when we load up YouTube, of lo-fi. I love lo-fi and chill hop and synth wave and, like, you know, calming, relaxing music. Like, there'll be times where I'll just have, like, one of those chill hop live streams just playing on my computer. I'm going about my day just because I love the beautiful sound of it. Like, it's all very simple. Like, there's nothing, you know, it's not technically amazing, but it's just this kind of simple uh, simple sound that I really enjoy. One of the um, record labels that I really love is Game Chops. So I play a lot of video games. I have the Legend of Zelda tattoo. Um, I stream on Twitch. So I've always had this influence in video games. There are game chops focuses on using like lo-fi and chill hop and synthwave and allowing producers like different producers like Mikkel and uh Heliant and Smooth McGroove to produce these songs um, that I have got like taking influence from Legend of Zelda, from Mario, from Pokemon, from Sonic the Hedgehog. So like levels in those different games and created this beautiful sound to them like there there was one that i was listening to the other day this particular album was about all about the levels from yoshi from like Yoshi's island and things of that nature but in one of them even had a guy rapping over the top of it and it was fantastic And i was like wow this is like this chill hop thing with like yoshi noises in the background and then here's this dude rapping about yoshi and i'm like this is this is awesome so, for me, I would definitely recommend folks going out and checking out game chops if you're a video game fan um like it's nothing it's nothing earth shattering like it's nothing but it's similar to like the Beards in Jamiroquois it's gonna make you feel feel good it's gonna make you feel
1: like at peace I guess yeah that's interesting so they take do they take the actual scores of the games and is that what it is, or is it just using, like, the the sound effects? So it's using the actual scores, like, using, like, so in particular, what
0: uh, I was listening to before was a synthwave version of um, Legend of Zelda songs. Oh, so they just reimagined in, scores in that genre. In... Okay. Yeah.
1: That is interesting.
0: Yeah, so it's, like, you know, the, the theme song from, like, or the uh, melody from The Lost Woods in, like, um, Ocarina of Time. And it's now been made into this synthwave sound. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, if anyone who knows of synthwave knows that it came, or, you know, remember it from like Stranger Things, I think it was big in that show. I never actually watched it, but anyway, like I know, I know. Think they had a, it had a reemergence after that, yeah. um, after that show came out. So yeah, it's Game Chops is brilliant. Definitely worth checking out. You can get it on Spotify. They've got like forty different albums for like you Know, like I said, all those different games. So, you can, if you're a fan of Sonic, they have one there that's like Spin Dash, and it's like this lo fi thing that's based off of like um, Marble Zone and yeah.
1: all these different areas. Uh, so, for yourself, uh, Simon, my um, ninth, ninth album is Zeal and Ardor with their album Stranger Fruit. Uh, Zeal and Ardor are uh, a very unique mix of black metal and African-American spiritual music or slave music as I've seen it referred to. Uh, This is one of my favourite metal releases of the past decade. It's a refreshing take on black metal and it's got this kind of bluesy, almost soul-like influence melted in. I'm going to put my hand up right now. I'm not very knowledgeable (laughs) in black metal. So, uh, you know, if you want, you can suggest some black metal albums for me but this one really caught my attention. Uh, Zilanardo started off in New York as a solo act and is a brainchild of Manuel Gagnos, I believe. Uh, it's now a full, full-blown band, mm. and they're now based in Switzerland. Um, the way yeah, It makes sense for black metal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the way this kind of music, uh, this uh, the sound he, he's created came about was he asked a forum on 4chan for two genres to mix together, and someone suggested black metal, and another said a uh, word that only four chan users would use—a derogate yep, derogatory term. Yeah, yep, yeah,
0: classic, classic four chan.
1: Yep, it's just uh, <laughs> hell on the internet. Yeah. Um. So he decided that that word, he interpreted to be African American slave time spiritual music. Um, it must be noted that he himself is actually African-American. Yeah. So the 4chan user was just being all-out racist, just being a 4chan dude. Yep. But um, for those who don't know what African-American spirituals is, it's a genre uh, originating from America created by African-American slaves. It was used to impart their Christian values but also sung of the hardships of slavery. So if you've seen any movie which had slaves doing chanting, that mm. is what he mixes with black metal. Yeah. Um, it's like a pretty heavy kind of topic and it's the influence of an surface level. Yeah. Um, he, he's in right into all the stories of, of those chants and, you know, rewritten them and, uh, like visually, it, you know, he brings it all together. So it's not just this kind of surface level cheesy kind of influence. Um, it's quite chanting. It's a, quite a haunting, sorry, listen to, to, to hear those kind of chants over black metal. Uh, songs like uh, the intro and Gravedigger's chants just kind of send shivers down your spine. Like, it's, it's amazing. Manuel's voice is powerful and it's kind of got this twang to it. Um, and it's very authentic as well, when he sings it, I could listen to him just sing a blues record. Like He's got an yeah. amazing voice. Um, I prefer this record to their first because I think they bring it together a bit more cohesively. But the first album's great. It's got some great songs on it. Um, I missed them when they came to Australia. I think it was last year they came. Um, so I'm absolutely spewing about that. So hopefully they come back. But um, I think even if you want to get into black metal... This would be a good way to start because they do a lot of um they do have a lot of songs where they do just the chanting and it's just like uh jangly pianos and kind of like uh metal kind of drumming which is just like you know wartime drumming and yeah. just the chanting on it um so you kind of get the breaks from from the the more extreme kind of black metal sound but um live he has two backup male singers. So when they do the chanting live, it sounds huge. Yeah. And then obviously he's got the band behind it and they, they're just an incredible band. It's an incredible record.
0: It's an amazing concept really.
1: Yeah. And the execution sounds incredible. Yeah. They, like I said, this record, I think they, they do it better than the first, mm-hmm. but, um, the first like has a song called devil is fine. And like that, that's a brilliant song. Um, and live they pull it off which is great um it is it's very interesting it's interesting like because like
0: you know listen to like quite a lot of heavy music like black and death metal growing up and the idea of uh, a lot of like a lot of that stuff can particularly just be it's just anger Whereas is mm-hmm. this kind of like is anger with a reason Yeah, like I mean, like not necessarily that all of them are angry songs, but it's just like there's a story now as to why we're producing this sound, and it's got this, you know, fairly dark history behind it. Mm. Um, I definitely want to hear that because I reckon that sounds
1: super unique. It's got it's got soul. I think that's kind of what it is, and the production levels, uh, the production of it is like it matches it, like it brings Mm. in that kind of warmth that. Kinda sometimes black metal can miss um yeah it's it's mm. i love it it's a great great album excellent so zeal and
0: stranger fruits um moving on to myself completely different from black metal is the avalanches now they're an australian group and they were probably one of the literally one of the first i was on this trip to sydney and i bought three cds like from our store, like one of the, these, are the first real CDs of music that I can remember. One of them was The Avalanches since I left you. Brilliant album. Brilliant album. And it goes back to kind of like some of the things I was talking about before. From start to finish, it's this story, and every track kind of melds into each other. You have your traditional, um, your traditional singles off of it, like. Uh, Since I Left You and Frontier Psychiatrist, um, which, you know, whenever that gets played, people are going to get up and dance and sing along to it because it's such a fun, unique, different sound. And it's like the Avalanche is one of the first groups that ever introduced me to the idea of sampling and DJing Um, because I didn't really like, I didn't come across a lot of music when I was to like, you know, early teens. And the, the idea of, you know, producing an album, purely based on samples of other sounds, um, to produce this uh, incredible album. Then they had this bad luck where they had an issue, I think it was a legal dispute with their um, record label, and they didn't produce another album. So this came out in like 2000, 2001-ish. didn't produce, uh, uh, for some reason, weren't allowed to produce another album until, when did Wildfire Flower come out? Oh, uh, sorry, Wildfly. It came out in 2015, oh, yes. 2016. Around right that time, they weren't like it, it was legal reasons, couldn't produce another album. And then they produced this amazing, incredible follow up album. Um, and then have released all these other singles. But like the Avalanches are just they've done, they did DJ sets during that time. They produced, they they, they would, they would, pl- oh, like I remember one time they played the O Ball at like Adelaide Uni. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were just this incredible sound and like, again, very pleasant in nature, you know, yes, Front un- Psychiatrist is a little low all over the shop, but like, everything else you kind of listen to on that album, Like you can put it on from the start to the finish and it will just, you know, you just be able to follow the ebbs and flows of it all.
1: Yeah. The Avalanches are a band that I'd like to delve into. Yeah. They're, they're another one like um, Massive Attack where any time I've been shown any of their work, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're good, I should, I should jump on that bandwagon, but I just haven't. <laughs> so,
0: like, in the, in, in, in the newer stuff, they 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 use a lot more um, outside source. Like, the music is still kind of... The music is now not necessarily purely sample-based. It's a lot more of their own unique sound, but they use different artists now to sing along with them. Like, they use... A bit more collab. Yeah, involved. so, uh, like, on one of the most recent albums, they had... Um, the lead singer from Weezer. Oh yeah, Ruffy's uh, Yeah, he was he was singing on it. Um a few other people have come along to it. I think Chance did a couple of things. my no, Dan, was Danny Brown. Dan, Danny Brown came on and did like and they, they they're very they're very good at producing these different soundscapes and then finding the perfect vocalist to come along and complement it. Yeah. So I I mean, yeah, so it's the Avalanche Since I Left You, really nice, beautiful album. Then you Mission. can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that kind of music. to finish us off on your side, Simon, where are we going? We're going
1: back into the world of pop. <laughs> I have chosen the self-titled album by The Night Game. So I am a fan of pop music. Yep. I, I love it. Uh, I do believe that you've got to paddle through a lot of shit to find good <laughs> pop. I, I know that. But, um, yeah, I actually had Michael Jackson's Bad album down for this, but I changed it because I figured everyone knows that that's a great album. Mm. Um, I wanted to bring a newer, newer act uh, to the front, which no one really knows. Um, I discovered him through a drummer I like, Dave Illich, who happened to be their drummer uh, at the beginning. And, um, yeah, he he posted some stuff and it just... My attention, I loved it. So, the night game of uh, the brainchild of Martin Johnson, who's from the band Boys Like Girls, and uh, the Australian artist Kieran J. Callanan, who some people might know. Uh, there's the meme of Jimmy Barnes singing in the sky that's Kieran, that song's <laughs> Kieran, right? On. Uh, but it's mainly um, Martin Johnson's project. Um, this is his foray into 80s pop music with a kind of rock Americana twist it's unashamedly pop and it's <laughs> so fun um, their first single uh, from this album is called the outfield and it's anthemic uh, it's just a massive sing along song uh most of the songs off this album are big mm. sing along songs but um the outfield actually features backing vocals by a favorite of ours in gortier oh, yeah. does backing vocals on it um, it's just a it's just a pop song, but it's it's so well done um the album really pushes for those eighties sounds, so the drum sound uh has like the Phil Collins gated snare yeah uh i mean it's it's straight up rock drumming, but it's it's got that gated snare they've got uh that synth sound that's instantly recognizable um I can't explain it, but when you hear it, you go oh eighties that <laughs> it's got that synth sound, but um they mix it with Kieran's guitar work, which is not your normal kind of pop guitar work. He he makes his guitar squeal and sound like a synthesizer and it's it works. Like it brings that kind of 80s sound into a, the modern era. So you, like if you don't like Phil Collins, then like this album doesn't sound like Phil Collins. Don't expect that. This is that sound updated with better production, or well not better production, but newer production. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, there's a duet called Do You Think About Us, which is a cute little catchy tune about teenage sweethearts <laughs> asking what if. Uh, it's just reeks of nostalgia. They've got a song called American Nights, which I could envision being on a TV show like One Tree Hill or uh, one of those kind of soapy American TV mm. shows. Um, But for me, the highlight is a song called Bad Girls Don't Cry, which is... um probably one of the best pop songs released in recent years. Um, anytime it comes on in our household, everyone starts singing and everyone starts dancing. It's same same as uh, Choir. It it It's uplifting. It makes me feel good. Um, that's what pop music should do. And I don't understand why commercial radios don't play this kind of pop music. There's no swearing. The concepts are you know, G-rated, PG-rated. I don't get why commercial radio doesn't play this kind of pop, but they can keep their fucking post alone. I'll take this <laughs> pretty much. So that's the night game, and I'd check them out if, you know, you've got family around and you want something that's interesting but pop, at least check out the night game. It's
0: interesting when you get to like, the point that we're at now where we're, uh, we're parents and we're trying to... Figure what can we play in front of our kids? Yeah, and like I, I admit I play songs that have got swearing in it. Yeah. But the kids know not to s- sing the swear song, but the oh, yeah. the swear word, and you know. But if you, I suppose, if you can find s- something that you like, yeah. and get them to like it, then that makes it so much easier.
1: I mean, there's the struggle where you kind of want, you kind of want to introduce them to, to the stuff you like. Like mm. I. I want to show my daughter, you know, things like Brutus and Mars mm. Volta, and kind of show her what music can be. But then at the same time, you don't want them to cry and tell you to turn it off. So yeah. <laughs> that struggle is always there. And, and you know, anything that can be not
0: a soundtrack from a uh, from a movie, yeah. no matter how good some of those soundtracks are, you don't want to be playing it. So, no. So, I mean, and, like if you can find something like The Night Game that's going to get... Everyone happy. Mm.
1: I mean, uh, so their first tour, they released that single, The Outfield, probably a year before they released their album. Um, They released it. I think they'd done like a a show or two in LA. And then uh, John Mayer saw it on YouTube and then invited them on his American stadium tour. And their first tour was, you know, (laughs) supporting John Mayer in stadiums.
0: That's not bad.
1: That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, but um, they're just fun, mm. and pop music should be fun. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not here to change the world like no. a few of the other artists we've we've mentioned, but there there is a need and there is a time for this kind of music, and you know, we don't have to listen to commercial radio to get pop music. Yeah. There is good pop music. You just need to find it. Yeah.
0: All right and so for me to finish this off now going into gorillas an actual great <laughs> pop band yeah. which radio's play <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so i love gorillas um they came uh, the lead singer was from blur was it damon damon yeah, yeah he's um it, to start with gorillas were all it was pretty much just damon just doing his thing, creating these different sounds, different concepts, you know, a purely a a band that exists in theory, but it's all cartoon characters playing these instruments where it's really just Damon playing everything and just producing this album and this concept. When they get to, so this is their third album. Uh, You've got uh, Plastic Beach which is kind of one where this is where Damon says, like, all right, I can take a little bit of a step back here and get other people involved. And he gets everyone involved. You've got Mos Def, you've got Snoop Dogg, Della uh, Della Sol, Little Dragon, rest in peace Bobby, Bobby Womack, you know, on Stylo. That is amazingly powerful voice. And everything on that album is like, okay, there's a couple of, like, to binge with Little Dragon is like a little bit of a... Mellower track, you know, but for the most part, everything on that album is all just upbeat positivity. Um, you can get behind pretty much everything, you know. That's one of those an album that I'll play for the kids, um, because it's all this very, there's all there's all a very positive nature in behind pretty much all their songs on that album. Um, and then you know he expands it even further into. The next Down um, Humans, uh where you know you get people like um I think Chance the Rappers in that one. Um, there's a few a few other uh different artists that he collabs with there. But the the sound on Plastic Beach, I think you'd agree, is like definitely one of the it's a pop pop one, but it's kind of like a uh disco pop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, songs like Stylo. Yeah. It's kind of, it's got that disco influence in there for sure. Uh, very, very soulful,
0: especially with Bobby's voice in that
1: one. Yeah, Bobby's voice is incredible. Um, Gorillaz, uh, to me, is what commercial radios should be playing. Mm. Is bands like Gorillaz, like Gautier, uh, bands that are, are doing something interesting with pop. Like it's mm. still in that realm of pop. Yeah. Um, And the fact that, it's a cartoon band, <laughs> and it has soul. It mm. has a human element to it, which is obviously coming through his voice and yeah. the the artist who he collabs with. But to create that world, to even have that idea that we're going to tour a cartoon band, it's just incredible. And the fact that it's lasted this long and got as big as what it did is also incredible. And you can
0: tell that he's he's grown up with it as well, because like and the ideas have grown up. Because you look at the first album, that first uh, self-titled was released. Like the characters were kind of a bit more cartoony; they're a bit more like uh, younger. Like the each album, the characters have kind of gotten a little bit older, a little bit more grizzled, a little bit more human. Mm. Um, which kind of explains like how the like the band itself like has progressed. Yeah. Um, and I, but I, I, I get what you mean. Like this is, I would love to hear Gorillaz. And Goodyear on the on radio, um, I mean, I'd have to listen to radio, but like, yeah. <laughs> I I'd love to hear that sort of stuff. And but I guess the thing is like it's pop music that kind of what to say. I, I guess it kind of makes you think. Yeah. Like the the music, like I guess that's sometimes why radio is just like that generic stuff because you don't have to think; you can just have it in the background, and just smile, and they're like, yeah, it's radio. Whereas, because you you're kind of like you're listening to the music and you're kind of like popping along, you're kind of thinking about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, like superstar, superfast uh, jellyfish is yeah. like a really poppy,
1: upbeat song, but it's like all over the place. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I get why why it's not. Yeah, it's just like obviously, if I had my way, <laughs> that's what it would be. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: if we were in charge of a radio station, I think it'd be very, very different. We'd be hitting a lot of different subjects. But I suppose that's why we've created this podcast. Yeah. So that's our ten albums each. A uh, variety of different stuff there. Everything. I think we. I think we pretty much touched on every genre possible. Just about. Um, no country. Yeah, yeah we're not going to get there. I don't think that's. An, I don't think anyone's truly weeping over that. No, I mean, Jolene's a good song. Banger song. Yeah. Have you seen? Have you seen Dolly Parton
1: play, like live? Not with, like. No, I mean, uh, but like well, have you like, seen on, clips? Like, yeah, yeah, on clips. Oh, yeah. yeah. She. Yeah, she's phenomenal. uh, Rocks it out, but like, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not gonna really go see Dolly Parton. No, I mean, Garth Brooks had two great albums, but yeah, he had (laughs) yeah, he had had two great (laughs) albums. But he, uh, I don't know if you know this, he then um, completely built a new identity and was a metal guy, and bought released like a metal or two. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. We should definitely deep dive on that. Oh, man, deep diving at Garth Brooks. Didn't think that would happen, but, you know, whatever. Don't we'll have, a, have a look at
0: that. Uh, so I guess that will do us for now. We've covered a lot of things, uh, covered a lot of different subjects and bands. Um, so I guess going forward, you know, obviously, if you want to reach out to us and uh, have a chat, you can email us through uh, ultra of noise at gmail.com. Uh, Simon... He writes a music-related blog, um,
1: which website is? Uh, You can go to facebook.com forward slash the Nepenthe blog. Excellent. And uh, for myself, streaming
0: on Twitch probably three to four times a week, you can hit me up on twitch.tv slash wilesy. And they're the main ways to get get a hold of us. Uh, But love to hear your feedback, love to hear what you have to think about it. Um, Got any questions or recommendations? We'd certainly love to hear that as well. All right. Certainly. All right. So for Simon, for myself, uh, this has been another service. Actually, sorry, the first service (laughs) (laughs) of the Altar of Noise. We very uh, very much thank you for joining us, and we will see you all next time.
1: Bye.